Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. I am your guy. Please reach out to me, my phone number, text me, call me, email me. I have some people that send me direct messages, some people that connect with me through WhatsApp, whatever the best platform is for you, I am flexible. So please reach out to me any of those ways. Um, And please, as as always, I always ask you guys, please subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Uh, Subscribe in YouTube or in whatever podcast app that you're using. Um, And please also leave a rating, hit the little like button, leave a review. All of those things help support the show. If you're getting something out of it, really all that I ask is that you send me some real estate business at some point, whether you refer me or use me as your realtor, and that you just support the show by hitting the like or five-star rating or review button, depending on uh, whatever platform it is that you're listening to or watching uh, this show on. Today, we are going to be talking about real estate and family. This is going to be um, a a little bit of of a different topic, And it's just something that has kind of been on my mind lately for uh, just a variety of reasons. Um, If you're watching this show, um, I'm not going to be doing any sort of screen sharing in this episode on YouTube. Uh, So you can just watch and uh, and enjoy my shiny microphone that that changes all these different colors while I'm talking. Um, Or you can just uh, minimize and just listen to it however you want to do it. Um, But, oh, and by the way, I, I should mention... I'm recording this uh, towards the end of March. I'm not entirely sure when I'm going to air this. This may end up airing uh, a little bit later. So if I end up changing things, if I end up changing my uh, my video equipment, we may uh, kind of uh, find that I dial back the clock at, at some point and, uh, and air this after I've already changed some things. I, I, I don't exactly know uh, about any of that. So... Uh, just keep that in mind. If, if it looks like we have gone back to a worse quality of video, uh, that's what's happened uh, because there's a good chance I don't air this for, for several more weeks. Um, but I, I want to talk about real estate and family because specifically extended family are oftentimes involved in real estate transactions and for good reason. There is uh, a, a need a, a need for family involvement, a need for family consideration. And at the end of the day, purchasing a home is an intensely personal and emotional thing. That's something that I have seen over and over again. And a lot of people don't fully appreciate just how personal and emotional it is uh, to purchase real estate when they're going into a real estate transaction. Like they just don't, it's, it's just not uncommon for people to not fully understand that when they start the process. And I've actually had some clients over the years that have uh, actually found themselves surprised by just how emotional the process was for them. Uh, particularly if you're selling a home and then buying a home. That that particularly tends to result in, in it being a more personal uh, transaction. So as such, it's not uncommon for family to be involved. After all, family, whether it's parents, siblings, cousins, etc., um, are oftentimes, if, if not the primary emotional safety net, one of the main emotional safety nets for many people. 
Um, additionally, obviously, most people intend to host family at their home at some point, whether for meals or holidays, uh, for entire weeks or weekends, whatever the case may be. And in some cases, people may purchase a property with a primary consideration being that their parents might have to move up in with them at some point. Of course, we see, uh, I see that all the time as well. Um, now, before I go any further into this, I want to be very clear about something because I could find myself in hot water very quickly with this episode. Um, I want to say right off the bat that this episode is not about any one individual or any multiple individuals. I'm very conscientious whenever I get into past experiences that I never say anything disparaging about a client or anything negative about a client, a specific client, because A, that client may be listening, and secondly, B, I appreciate all of my clients, even the, even the difficult ones, um, even the ones that uh, that make me lose sleep at night. Um, and, and that appreciation drives me to have no desire to call out any of them, particularly on this show. This show is designed to be positive. It's designed to be helpful. Um, I'm not trying to ever call out anyone on here. So any conclusions I draw or opinions I give in this episode is about what I've seen in aggregate including from other realtors, okay? If you think I'm talking specifically about you or specifically about one other person, I'm not. I'm talking about what I've seen over the years through hundreds of real estate transactions. Uh, These are trends that I have seen. And so please, please keep that in mind. And so with that in mind, we're going to jump right into, I have five things uh, and, and I need to craft exactly what I'm going to call this, but basically um, five do's or don'ts um, with regard to involving family in real estate. And number one, you need to understand that involving your parents in the decision-making process of a real estate transaction is likely to cloud your judgment. Understand that involving your parents And the decision-making process of a real estate transaction is likely to cloud your judgment. Now, this is primarily for um, uh, first-time homebuyers or or younger homebuyers, but I have seen parents involved in transactions for uh, people in their late 30s. They're asking for their parents' input on different things. Um, I've seen it for people in their 40s. Again, I'm not calling out any one person. I have seen a wide spectrum of this, and I've heard stories from people a wide spectrum of this. Um, now you you may have thought when you heard that point, wow, that's a strong statement. Like involving parents is, uh, likely to cloud my judgment. I'm going to take it a step further. Okay. In my seven plus years of real estate, parental involvement in a real estate transaction has been a net negative, a net negative. More often than not, parental involvement does not help. Um, again, if you think I'm calling anyone specifically out, I'm not. I've just I've seen this dozens, if not hundreds of times and can't come up with a scenario where I genuinely feel like parents have have overall helped their children from my vantage point. Now, I'll explain why in a moment. But before I go any further, I want to say this because again, I have to hedge things here. Um, this is not I'm, I'm not telling people they should not involve their their parents. Um, and and particularly with me having these strong opinions, just because I've seen this in the past, I'm not telling you 
that, okay, cut your parents out from your real estate transactions. Don't involve them. You know, no, that's not what I'm saying. It might actually be more important to you to have your parents involved in your real estate transaction and to make what appears to be an irrational decision because you're listening to your parents than it is for you to make a decision without them that from the outside looking in looks like the better decision. It might be better to make the irrational decision for you. For you, it may be better to make the irrational decision that's fueled by your relationship with your parents than to make what appears to be the more rational decision that is absent your parents. One thing I can't gauge as a realtor is all of the emotional and familial facets of a home purchase. And one thing I talk about frequently with my clients, and I've mentioned on this podcast uh, a few times, is the uh, sleep at night test. Will you sleep at night better knowing that you made an offer or that you didn't? Will you sleep at night better knowing that uh, you went up on your offer price or that you stayed pat? Will you sleep better at night knowing that you backed out or moved forward with the transaction, knowing that there were major issues with the home that were discovered during your inspections? That sleep at night test is really, really important, and it's not necessarily logical. How well do you sleep at night knowing that you're making X or Y decision in real estate? I have learned that that is more important than whether the people that are are making that decision are making a rational decision. Because, listen, you can make the most rational decision in the world, but it not sit well with you, and you will forever be second-guessing that. For as long as you're in that house, you will forever be second-guessing that, wishing you hadn't done that, and it doesn't matter. It does not matter whether uh, whether the decision made perfect sense, if you're just going to keep second-guessing it, that's going to take off years from your life. That's going to cause you to not in- enjoy life. That's going to cause you to lose sleep. It is not worth it. And so that can be the case with involving your parents. If you wouldn't sleep, if you won't sleep well at night uh, without involving your parents, then you need to involve them. If you won't sleep well at night going against your parents' wishes and going against their opinions, then you shouldn't go against their opinions. It's literally that simple. And the sleep at night test, it isn't logical. And it doesn't have to be. At the end of the day, if you're, like I've already said, if you're not happy with your house, no logical argument for why you should uh, have purchased it will bring you that happiness. It just won't happen. I've seen this over and over again. And for some, That just means involving parents in some aspect of a transaction, and there is nothing wrong with that. So I want to hedge all of that. I want to make sure that you guys understand that there is a lot more to a real estate transaction than just the rational, than just the logical, all of that. There is a big emotional side, and and I absolutely 100% respect that. But... Me as a realtor, one of my main goals is to eliminate, to help people to eliminate as much emotion out of a real estate transaction as possible. The emotion is good, but it quickly gets out of hand. Actually, uh, recently when we did that chat GPT episode, it was interesting that that software 
referenced at one point having too much emotion in a real estate transaction. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it gave a very interesting response. And I, and I found that found that to be fascinating, that its algorithm detected that there tends to be too much emotion in a real estate transaction. And, um, and, and that is true. I want to avoid as much emotion as I can because there's already going to be heightened emotion. So I need to be uh, the voice of reason. Unfortunately, what will sometimes happen when there are parents involved is that pits me against the parent. And that's never a fun spot for me to be in because I'm not going to win against the parents, nor do I want to. I don't want to be against anyone's parents at the end of the day. Um, so that's just something to to keep in mind is that all of these e- emotional things, they're good, they're normal, um, but there you you do need to also recognize that sometimes there there can be too much but at the end of the day if you're not sleeping well or if you won't sleep well at night making a decision that's where you know that's where you draw the line there's there's enough emotion you're emotionally invested enough in whatever decision it is that you're making or think or second guessing potentially that you need to act on that emotion um, and and for some that might mean listening to their parents or involving their parents or whatever the case may be. But okay, I've I've been hedging all of this <laughs> up to this point. But if you are if all of this is you looking for parental approval on your home purchase, I've got really bad news. You are not gonna get it. I mean, could there be the 1% of people out there that are going to involve their parents and get their parental approval on, on their real estate choices? Sure. But guess what? Everyone thinks they're in the 1% when it comes to this. Everyone thinks that their parents are going to be the ones that, that approve, that are going to be helpful. And guess what? 99% of them are wrong. Um, in fact, whenever I have a client that opts to take their parents with them to look at a home. It's a running joke with me, with other realtors. Um, Basically, that's a guarantee that they're not going to buy the house because the parents are going to nitpick everything. They're going to raise questionable concerns. I've uh, I've been in situations where there have been some uh, that... Uh, just completely make make things up. They go into a house and they're like, oh, there's mold here and the ceiling's collapsing and, and the roof is shot. And it's just like, okay, none of these things are accurate. They're looking at the seller's disclosure, raising concerns um, without without asking me my opinion. And um, that invariably, I mean, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's very close to 100% of the time that when parents are involved, uh, at the beginning, when when they get involved in the real estate transaction, the real estate transaction's over. They they are not going to uh, to support and provide approval for what their children is doing. Now that might sound harsh, but there's actually a logical component to this. Okay, first, parents typically want what's best for their kids, and so when they see what their kids can afford and how big of a gap it is. From what the wealthier parents can afford, it's painful. It is painful. You don't want to be a wealthy parent and see your kid trying to, you know, ha- blaze their own trail, and you know they've got their, uh, you know, account executive position that 
is barely they're barely able to afford rent and they're they're finally trying to break the rent cycle they're buying their first home and that first home is just a shack in comparison to the home that the parents are in and you know the parents of course are just like i mean you could just live with us why don't you just live with us it would be you would have this massive kitchen and and we've got such a a wonderful guest suite that you could stay in and it's painful it's painful for parents so often to see their kids have to have to make those sacrifices to go out on their own and so i've seen that over and over and over again also frequently parents don't understand how much the real estate market has changed in recent years they think about you know when they purchased their last home may have been three years ago, may have been five years ago, may have been 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And they think, you know, like I already said, this place is a shack compared to my house. And I paid $150,000 for my house when I bought it just 10 years ago. It's hard to come to grips with the fact that the market has changed a ton and housing affordability is far less than it was just a few years ago. Parents have, I, I've, again, I've seen this over and over again. It's really hard for parents to come to grips with that reality that the market is just different. They, they just think the market just stays the same and that their kids will be able to afford what they were able to afford. No, housing affordability has gone down. Every month we look at the GGAR market stats and we track the housing affordability index. It was over 100 for the entire history that that has been tracked until the past three years. And it's in the 80s now. It, it got into the 70s. Housing affordability is less in Greenville than it was a few years ago. That's just the reality of the situation. But parents, they they don't want to come to grips with that. Also, consider this. A typical 55 to 75-year-old parent has probably bought four to five houses over the past 30 to 40 years. Now, here's what that means. This will make them believe that they have a lot to offer from uh, from the standpoint of real estate experience, but the reality is that a uh, real estate experience that they had from ten years ago is not often particularly valuable. And the further back you go, the less valuable it is. Real estate changes a lifespan in a decade. A, I mean, it's the it's not even comparable. Not to mention that. You oftentimes have have parents that have bought these four to five houses over the over the past thirty to forty years. Oftentimes, those were in different areas. Real estate is different in different areas. We've talked about this. This show, selling Greenville. This is a Greenville show. When I speak about the real estate market, unless I say that I'm talking about a national trend, I'm just talking about Greenville. I'll have I have listeners from other states, from other countries, that the real estate market is completely different when they are where they are. And so you've got parents that have all of these different experiences that they think speak into what their kid is trying to do. And oftentimes, it, it really doesn't compare. Um, I spoke to a realtor recently who said his first closing 30 years ago was a verbal contract. That would be unthinkable now, a verbal contract. Day one of real estate school is that real estate has been for, I don't know, it's like four or 500 years now has been uh, basically, it, coming from out of the United Kingdom and whatnot, has been unwritten contracts. But just 30 years ago in South Carolina, it wasn't uncommon for people to buy and sell homes on verbal contracts, which are are not contracts at all. That's unthinkable now. It would it would not happen. Contracts are always written contracts on real estate in South Carolina. 
granted, you know, you could have a family member or that, that they have some kind of a verbal agreement, whatever. I would not recommend that. Um, particularly with family, you need to have everything in writing because that's where things get messy. Um, which we'll talk a, a little bit more about as we, as we go on. Uh, but what happens is parents tend to believe that they have this broad range of experience, right? I've had four to five homes that I've lived in over the course of 40 years in multiple states. Like that's a broad base of experience to, to pull from, right? No, actually it's quite narrow because it doesn't compare to the real estate market right now in the Greenville, South Carolina region. It does not compare. Um, and the concerns, the pitfalls, the issues that they experienced uh, are, are oftentimes just going to be anecdotal or completely irrelevant to today's real estate climate in the Greenville area. Again, I'm not telling you not to involve your parents. I'm not telling parents not to be involved, but but we need to put context um, around their involvement, okay? But at the end of the day, when I deal with parents, I always respect them and their opinion, me as a realtor, okay? They will think that their experience from the four to five transactions they've had over the course of 40 years is more valuable than the hundreds of transactions that I have been a part of over the past seven plus years. And even though I would obviously disagree with that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If my clients are involved with their parents and and are involving their parents in their real estate transaction, then I consider the parents to be an extension of my clients. But for those of you listening who would consider getting your parents involved, you need to understand that doing so may cloud your judgment because your parents' past experience combined with their present desires for you, they want the best for you, right? Their present desires combined with their past experience may not align with the reality of what you need and what the current real estate market looks like. And when that happens, they're going to give you advice that isn't isn't rational, and that may actually, in the end, not be in your best interest, even if it is intended to be in your best interest. And so I'm not saying don't involve them. I'm just saying it may cloud your judgment. You need to be aware of that. And if you think that you're one of the 1% that that won't happen to, understand that 99% of people inaccurately think that they're part of the 1%. Every single person who involves their parents believe that they're a part of that 1%, and 99% of them are wrong. Um, And I don't want to be harsh. I just want to call a spade a spade when it comes to uh, parental involvement. All right, that is point number one. That's by far my longest point. I think the rest of these will uh, will go a bit quicker. Point number two, focus on your needs, not the perceived needs of family members. This is really important. Too often, I've seen people sacrifice what they need in order to find something that accommodates uh, their uh, their parents, their grandparents, uh, their nieces and nephews, their other relatives, whatever the case may be. This can mean uh, buying a house in an area that they wouldn't normally buy in, but that is best for certain members of the family or buying a certain type of house that they wouldn't otherwise or even buying something larger and more expensive than they need for their family in order to accommodate occasional family stays or or perhaps semi-permanent family stays. Now, there's an obvious 
balance that we need to strike. You can't completely ignore broader family needs, and I'm not suggesting that you do that. But what I've seen too often is that people end up, when when they're focused so much on, uh, on outside members of their family, parents, grandparents, uh, siblings, uh, you name it, oftentimes they end up compromising on the home purchase from the standpoint of helping their own family. Me, my wife, my kids, you, your spouse or future spouse or whatever, your kids, whatever the case may be. And at the end of the day, they'll make compromises that that hurt you. You'll make compromises that hurt you. And sadly, very often that compromise still isn't enough for the family member that you're trying to help. And it isn't, and you don't end up getting what you would want as the home buyer. All right, let's give an example. Let's say that you're in an area that makes you the most logical host for family reunions. Just an example. And even though family reunions don't happen very often, you make that an essential part of your search criteria. You need a house that can accommodate the occasional family reunion. So you make sure you're searching for homes with several bedrooms more than your family needs. Um, A home with a long driveway, private guest bathrooms, etc. But in the process, you have to give up some of what you really want, such as, I don't know, acreage, uh, a non-HOA community. Perhaps you have to go higher on the price than you would prefer because now you're having to buy more home than it is that, uh, that you actually need for your family. Now, unfortunately, here is what I've seen over and over again. The perceived needs of the extended family oftentimes end up not being accurate. And this is the worst part, right? What you end up sacrificing for your immediate family, for your spouse, for your children, um, what you need 365 days out of the year, it, those sacrifices ended up end up being for an incorrectly perceived need of family and for family that might only be there for a couple of weeks. My phone is going off and I don't know why. Oh, I know why. One second while I fix this. Okay, sorry about that. I was on a roll there too. All right, so <laughs> so you have perceived needs for for your family. And unfortunately, I've seen over and over again that those perceived needs, they're not like completely off, but they're off just enough. Your brother, for instance, ends up having more kids than you thought he and his wife would have, and now you don't have enough bedrooms. You got more bedrooms than you need, and it's not enough because your siblings kept having kids. Your grandmother gets bad arthritis in her knees, and now she struggles to access the upstairs guest suite that you intended for her. Your mom doesn't like the neighborhood that you're in because she's used to being more spread out, you know, more out in the country, whatever the case may be. The man cave uh, that that you have that you thought would be great for the kids actually is in a terrible place for the nieces and nephews. They cause, it, it echoes when they're running around, it echoes throughout the house and nobody enjoys it and everyone gets angry and it just ends up being an, an issue. These are the types of things that I've seen over and over and over again. And like I said, I'm not specifically calling any anyone out here. This is just... Uh, 
generally speaking, what I've seen, these examples, I've tried to be as facetious um, and as fictional with these examples as I could be because uh, there's a gazillion of them that I could. So I, I've tried not to use any specific examples uh, that I've run into, but it's not hard to come up with pretty obvious examples of things. My personal opinion, why not pay less, particularly when, when it comes to like family reunion kind of things and, and hosting people for like longer periods of time, pay less, get the, the smaller house that fits your family's needs, and then use the money that you're saving by getting the smaller house to rent an Airbnb when family comes into town. You can even rent a big enough Airbnb that you and your family can stay there so that everyone is together. Or better yet, use your cost savings to buy an investment property that you then can use to host family. Even a better idea. Now, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Obviously, consideration for hosting family and friends is an important consideration for many. But where people run into issues is when they are sacrificing what they want in order to get something that will accommodate family. In the worst situations, I've seen this backfire to the point that people overspend and end up not even being able to afford the home long-term because they bought more home than they needed in order to help their family. They got behind on their mortgage payments, their taxes, all of these different things, and now they're in a situation where they have to move because they bought more house than they could afford because they were trying to help out their family. I've, I have seen instances of this type of thing happen uh, with multiple people over the years, even before I became a realtor. Um, and it no, it's just an awful situation when that goes down. Please don't be, uh, don't be one of those people. Prioritize your family first. Strike that delicate balance uh, between also prioritizing your extended family, but, but don't prioritize your extended family over your own family. You will regret it. Number three, um, shifting from uh, the first two are a little bit negative, shifting to something a little bit more positive, don't feel bad to ask close relatives for financial assistance when buying a home. Um, the times that I have seen family help the most is not when they're going to a home and looking in the attic. You know, we see this all the time. Dad goes to the home. He's got to look into the attic. He thinks he's an inspector. He's running all the faucets. You know, it, I, I mean, it, it is, it's classic. He's crawling around in the crawl space. Oh, I think there's termites in here. Um, you know, again, every dad thinks that he's an inspector. Listen, I'm, I'm sure when I'm uh, older with my children, I will act the same way. It's inevitable. I have never seen that be particularly helpful for any of my clients. Maybe they thought it was helpful, but me, I kept my opinions to myself, again, out of respect for their parents. But where I have seen parents and grandparents be the most helpful is when they're able to provide financial assistance. And most mortgages, most loan programs allow for this, that uh, children or grandchildren can receive gift fun funds from parents or grandparents to assist with closing costs or down payments. This is a great way. If you want to help out your kids, this is the way to do it. Help them by providing them gift funds. And it doesn't have to be, it's not like it's called gift funds, but they can pay you back. So it, it's not as if uh, you know, you're just giving them this money and it's like, well, it's gone. You could structure it so that they have to pay you back. And in fact, some of the best ways I've seen this work is if someone is is moving their family from one house to another, they want they need to sell the house they're moving out of, 
but they want to buy their next house first. And so parents provide gift funds on a very short-term basis to help them purchase their this next house. And then they sell the house that they're moving out of, and then they pay the parents back. I've seen this happen. It works really, really well uh, when that happens. Uh, but different loan programs, they have different rules, but generally speaking, uh, when someone is buying a house that they intend to own or occupy, they can receive money at closing from close relatives to help them make the purchase. Um, and and I've seen that work really, really well over and over again. And by the way, parents uh, can also, I don't know about grandparents. Again, I'm not a loan officer, so I have some limitations in terms of all the nitty gritty with this. Um, but I would assume grandparents probably to a certain extent as well, depending on their income situation, um, can act as a guarantor on a mortgage. This is also a great way to help your kids. Um, oftentimes, parents have to act, act as a guarantor for their children when they buy their first car. This can also be the case when they buy their first house. Um, and this can be of great help to someone making a home purchase that they otherwise couldn't afford. Um, if the parents prefer not to be on the loan long term, which I can understand, um, and if the assumption is that the buyers will continue to build credit and uh, and and income, the, the children will continue to build credit and income for years to come, then the goal could be for in a year or two to refinance and get the parents off the loan. So that's a way to to handle that as well. So that is a a really that that financial piece is a way that parents can be extremely helpful uh, when when trying to assist their children to be able to purchase a home. Uh, number four, be wary when working with relatives who are real estate professionals. Oh, I had to say this. I had to say this because I'm a real estate professional and you know how often, well, you don't know, but let's just say I frequently deal with, with other realtors who are relatives of the buyer or the seller on the other side of the table. And let me just say this. Most realtors loan officers and the like, start by building their business with family members. Now me, um, <laughs> the only family I have in Greenville is my cousin. I, I only have three first cousins. One of them moved to the Greenville area a few years ago. Shout out to Kelly. She is my only, she's my closest relative here in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, and so I've had to build my real estate business essentially without any family. Um, and although I'm grateful to have been able to help my cousin and, and I did get a referral commission from my parents when they sold their last home recently, unlike a lot of realtors and loan officers, I've not had the benefit of building my business with relatives because I didn't, I, I'm not from Greenville originally. People that are from the Greenville area that get into real estate, they have a massive leg up and good for them. I'm not jealous of them. I'm, I'm proud of how I built this business. Um, by the way, uh, I mentioned referral commission. Um, if you're moving here from out of state, and a lot of my listeners are potentially doing that, um, I can receive a referral commission from whatever realtor you use to sell your home in, in the place that you're moving from. So please keep that in mind. Um, the way that typically works is it doesn't impact what you pay at all. I just get 25% of the commission that would normally go to the listing agent. So shameless plug. I would, I would really appreciate that. That kind of kicks things off with us and, and kind of gets our lines of communication open. I can also interview those realtors, make sure that they're legitimate as well. My company has a relocations department um, where we can assist with finding you a realtor. So just keep all of that in mind. All right. 
Um, that aside, um, I'm just going to say this, okay? You've got these realtors, you've got these loan officers and other uh, real estate professionals that are building their business via family members. I've seen a lot of instances where family members simply are, are not very well trained. They're new at what they're doing. They, they just got licensed and end up sadly doing a terrible job representing their families, particularly realtors or loan officers. I keep coming back to those two fields because those are the ones that I've seen over and over again where it's been a struggle when I'm trying to, you know, when I'm representing the buyer and I'm calling that listing agent and, you know, he's the the first cousin of, uh, or, or the son of, of the seller. And it's just, it's crazy how often there is just incompetence there. And, and, and it's sad. And, and there are a lot of reasons for this. I mean, whether it's inexperience or, God forbid, complacency due to them not having to earn their business because their family members are just giving them the business, uh, perhaps not understanding the local market if that person is trying to assist from out of town, because I've seen that too, right? The South Carolina real estate license is a state license. So I've seen instances where, where people that are you know, in Columbia are trying to help someone in Greenville. They don't know the Greenville market. How can they help? Um, so my advice is this. Consider if you're, if you're thinking about working with a relative who is a realtor, consider whether that realtor is actually good at what they do before you just hand them the business. Think about that. Interview other realtors. Make your relative earn your business, even if it's a, even if it's a sham. Even if you're you're interviewing these other realtors and they would have to absolutely knock your socks off for you to go with them, or you, you genuinely don't even want to go with them, you just want to go with this relative. Listen, I'm telling you, as a realtor, I don't like to do sham interviews, but it is in your best interest to at least talk to some other people to compare and contrast to your cousin or your brother or your uh or your daughter, or whatever it is, to make sure that they actually know what they're doing. It doesn't help them or you if they get a free lunch, because in the future, they're not going to get a free lunch. In the future, they will have to earn business from other clients, so they might as well learn how to earn business from you. All right. Also, (laughs) I'm not done yet. Also, if you have a realtor relative out of state, I've got, you know, I've heard this. I've got a brother in uh, in Arkansas who's a realtor, and I would like to run everything by him. Real real estate looks dramatically different in Arkansas than it does in South Carolina. I'm sorry. Your your realtor brother in Little Rock might have some interesting ideas, but he's not going to know the first thing about our real estate contract here in South Carolina. He might not know how the due diligence period works here. He might not know how title companies work around here. He might not know how many attorneys are needed. He might not understand how escrow is released. So he's going to look at that contract and all of a sudden jump into this market that he's not been a part of, that he that is completely different than his market. And he's going to be able to provide insight into whether what you're doing is right or not. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine if you want to do that. But just understand that, again, you're you're jumping into a field. It, it's it, the field is the same, but it's so different. It's like engineering. 
It, 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 this is a flawed analogy, but it's like bringing a civil engineer in to, to look at a structural engineer's report, right? They're both engineers, but in, in very different areas. And when you're bringing a, an out-of-market realtor into a South Carolina contract to assess that and to assess what's going on, you're, you're just going to find that they're, they're, they're going to have questions that are obvious. I've run into this. They ask very obvious questions typically. Um, they're confused with how the process works. It just works differently. If I have a client that is asking, or, or sorry, if I have a, well, yeah, a client that's out of state, or a um, or a relative that's out of state that wants me to review uh, a, a contract or paperwork or whatever, I'm happy to review it. But I will tell them right right off the bat, I am a South Carolina, specifically a Greenville realtor. There are going to be some things on here that I don't fully understand. Now that said, I can find some oddities uh, sometimes that that don't make sense, and I can raise those. But I'm not going to to go in and just mark up and start redlining uh, the contract. I understand that it's different in, in every market. All right, enough of that. Last point, point number five. Don't compare yourself or your real estate purchases to your parents, siblings, or other relatives. Don't do it. Listen, people lose so much joy. They lose so much joy comparing their home or their financial situation, or their living situation to that of their relatives. Don't do it. You don't need to do it. It's not worth it. Your situation is going to be completely different than other people. Even other people that you spent 18, 19, 20 years of your life with, your closest relatives, your goals are going to be different than your siblings, than your parents, than your cousins, than all these other people. Perhaps you are more focused on buying a good investment, but your sister or your uncle or whatever is more focused on buying a house that he or she can show off. Who cares? You can both have what you want without having to compare to each other. Don't don't let other people steal your joy when you're in a real estate transaction. Similar to the sleep at night test, consider whether you would feel more happy with your house situation if you had no family no extended family. If that's the case, then perhaps it's time to stop putting much weight, if any weight, into your family's opinions on your real estate decisions. In my experience, I've found that family members that have a negative view of someone's real estate decisions are often having those negative views because they are insecure about something in their own life. Do not let your family's insecurities fuel your own insecurities. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You can, you can have joy in the decisions that you make, and you don't need relatives, especially, to take that joy away from you. Hopefully, that was helpful, maybe an encouragement, uh, maybe a challenge to some people. I don't know. I sound like a pastor right now, challenging you, encouraging you. Um, but, uh, but hopefully, you found that to be helpful in one form or another. This is the Selling Greenville podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those things. Please subscribe to the show, leave a rating, leave a review, hit the like button on YouTube, whatever the case may be. And please, if you if you need help with any of your real estate needs or just want to talk shop with me, my contact information is in the show notes. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you watching and listening. We'll talk again next time.